That ties in nicely with our memory verse from last week. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Can we say it together? The grace of our Lord overflowed for me. I'm going to read the second reading today because it might make us cough and gag. (laughs) So I didn't want to put that on anyone else to have to read this. 1 Timothy 2, verses 8 to 14, 15. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Also, that the women should dress themselves modestly and decently in suitable clothing, not with their hair braided or with gold, pearls, or expensive clothes, but with good works, as is proper for women who profess reverence for God. Let a woman learn in silence with full submission. Let a woman learn in silence with full submission. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, providing they continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. I'm not even going to say word of the Lord yet. We we need to work through this. (laughs) Wow, Paul. Gulp, Paul. We were so happy last week when you said the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. This is such a radical digression. Paul, Paul, is that really you? Well, this is going to be our final sermon in the epistles for 2019, and some of you may be glad for that. And um, just so that you don't give Paul too hard of a kick in the derriere on the way out, I thought we should explore and wrestle with this text and try to wrangle some good news out of it. Because Paul does get a bad rap sometimes, and, and fittingly so. But... We want to be a people who wrestle and wrangle with the Word of God, even the messy parts, even the parts that poke and prod us and pinch us. And so today, let's enter into some wrestling and wrangling. But first, a couple of, a couple of things or pieces to help frame our thoughts. The first is this, a book that I've been reading over the past couple of weeks called Jesus Have I Loved, comma, but Paul? Question mark? Written by Daniel Kirk, he's from Fuller Seminary, and uh, the subtitle is A Narrative Approach to the Problem of Pauline Christianity. So if you're looking to read a book with some pretty recent scholarship on Paul and reflections, this is a great one to read. Jesus I have loved, comma, but Paul, question mark. The second framing piece for our uh, reflection today is uh, on the back of the insert the adult faith formation insert. Uh, This is written by a feminist biblical scholar, Annette Borland-Huzenga. And um, 
It's a part of the introduction of her commentary on the pastorals. And last week I mentioned that the pastorals are 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. And so this is a, a wisdom commentary, it's called. And we won't read the whole thing, but just I want to read a few phrases from this introduction. Because she writes that these are troublesome texts. And these letters contain arguably the most sexist, exclusivist, and socially oppressive teachings in the New Testament. And even though there's 2,000 years since these writings, she, she writes that there's still people and groups and societies that continue to be inhibited, insulted, and harmed by these instructions. Women have been dismissed, abused, and simply not valued as full persons. And so then at the bottom half of that quote, in this commentary, I intend to demonstrate the unmistakable patriarchal roots of the author's gender ideology, to question his inflexible worldview, and to wrestle openly with the negative consequences that have occurred when his words were taken seriously by the Christian churches. By encouraging deeper engagement with these letters, I want to contribute to the many challenging conversations that are already happening around issues of gender, race, and power. By studying the pastoral letters with our minds sharpened and our hearts turned toward a generous freedom, we can struggle most productively with the influence of their teaching, past and present. And we can create a future church, a future world that are more just, truly inclusive, and indelibly marked by God's grace. So I love how she's taken these pastoral letters and said, yes, we can wrestle with these, and we can actually do a good Christian work, creating a more just, inclusive, and marked by grace kind of future. And if you were here on August 11th, we, we took a stab at wrestling with another one of uh, Paul's tough texts. And uh, we looked at Colossians 3.18, where Paul writes, Wives, be subject to your husbands. And we wrestled with that, too. And, and so if you were here, you're going to hear some echoes in, in the process and our approach. Um, but again, we pray that the grace of our God would overflow. First off, when we bump up against these tough texts, uh, we have to look at the context. And context here is 65 CE. Uh, Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy is mentoring and leading some young churches, and Paul has heard that these churches are in trouble. And it's mostly a power economic struggle, where rich Christians are lording their power and prestige over poor Christians. And so these rich Christians are actually calling the shots about money, sex, and power, and they're making new rules for Christian behavior and enforcing them upon the churches. And so Paul urges them to pray. That's what we heard in our first reading today. Pray so that there might be a more level playing ground between you all. And you all need to contribute to a quiet and peaceable life, both within the church and outside of the church, as your reputation is known in society around you. Paul writes, men, pray without anger or arguing, 
So we know that there's stuff going on with the men as well in this context. And Paul says, reduce your anger and your arguing, you guys. You power-hungry men are missing the point. And so then he says, women, tone down the ostentatious wardrobe and swagger. You power-seeking women are not glorifying God by trampling others with your stilettos. And then the real zinger from Paul, women learn in silence with full submission. I, Paul, permit no woman to teach or have authority over a man. She is to keep silent. Wow, Paul, your patriarchal Jewish upbringing is kind of spilling out at the edges, dude. (laughs) And so Paul should be critiqued here. Though, as we try to put ourselves in the context of this story, if Paul's trying to restore some justice and dignity and peace into the unruly patterns of this church, there might be a valid reason for Paul to tell the power-seeking women to back down a bit. But like we read in that introduction from the commentary, the tragedy is is that for centuries, churches have taken verses like this to inhibit insult, and harm women. And Paul would have never, ever wanted that. That would have never been Paul's heart. And so when we remember the context, then we can also step back and look at what I call the bigger story. The big story is that Paul is getting his mind perpetually blown by the new creation and presence of Jesus. Everywhere he goes, he says that Christ must alter our view of everything. In Christ, because of Christ, for Christ, with Christ, communities of the world and the cosmos are being transformed. Old ways and old categories no longer apply. That famous verse from Galatians 3.28 where Paul says, You are all children of God. There's no longer Jew or Greek or slave or free, male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. That's Paul's heart. If Paul's heart is for all, then why would he want to silence 50% of humanity in the churches? In God's work of doing peace and justice and proclamation in the world. That leads to a third part of the process here as we wrestle and wrangle. So we think about context. We remember the big story of what Paul was trying to preach and proclaim. And the third Part of the process is hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is simply Bible interpretation skills. Um, Maybe you know Hermes, who is the god of language. And so hermeneutics is using that Greek word and, and saying, what is the way of interpreting the Bible? And to 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 really make it simple, Christians in general lean right and lean left in their Bible interpretation approaches. The right-leaning Christians do what is sometimes called the plain reading of the text. And maybe you've seen their bumper stickers. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Have you ever seen those bumper stickers? That's the plain reading of the text. It simply reads, those Christians read the text and go, that's what it says there. It's obvious that settles it. But 
a month ago, and today, I'm going to say that the left-leaners do something called the yes-but reading of the text. And um, Canadian Baptists, for the most part, are yes-but Bible readers of the text. We tend to live in that broader middle of the theology spectrum and try to hold in that tension on the right and the left. And so for us as a local church, um, being Canadian Baptist also means being egalitarian, which means for decades this church and our denomination have been ordaining women to ministry. And therefore egalitarian, meaning we equally value men and women and equally believe that they are gifted for ministry and pastoral ministry in all of our churches. So that takes a yes, but reading. When we look at today's text, we say, yes, but, <laughs> Paul, we recognize you are pushing for justice. Yes. Yes, you wanted equity. Yes, you t- told the women to be silent. But we can't imagine this meant for all people in all times. We know and see and read, Paul, how you acknowledged and blessed women all the time in your ministry work. You had your co-workers, your deacons, your apostles, Aquila, Euodia, Syntyche, Lydia, Afia, Julia, Priscilla, Phoebe. And how about Junia, who you named as an outstanding apostle, who was in Christ before you and was outstanding and heads and shoulders above some of the apostles. So, yes, but, Paul, we're going to give you a mulligan here and trust that you did not write this stuff about silencing for all people in all times. So lastly, the part of the process as we wrestle and wrangle with these texts is to sit with Jesus. Jesus was at the center of Paul's writings. And Jesus was at the center of Paul's vision. And so when Paul gets wonky... You need to go to the heart of his writings. And at the heart of his writings is this Jesus, this resurrected Lord who who, who dumped him on his rump when he was writing in, (laughs) trying to go wrangle up Christians and put them in jail. This Jesus who had changed and radically transformed Paul's heart, body, mind, and soul. Jesus, whose heart and compassion was for all. Jesus, liberator. Jesus, healer. Jesus, who never shamed women or lorded power over them. Jesus, whose closest and most faithful ministry supporters were women. Jesus, whose first apostles to share the good news of him being risen from the dead were women. So when the story gets crazy or in Paul's writings get outlandish, go back to Jesus and sit with Jesus a while. And speaking of getting crazy, let's reread verse 15. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, provided they continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. (laughs) Paul, really? 
there's lots of Bible commentaries that try to make sense of that verse. But um, the closest one I came to somehow making some sense was, again, since there's this power struggle and, and, and powerful women are calling the shots in this church, some of them were forbidding marriage and saying that Christian women shouldn't be getting married anymore. And so Paul then, in this letter, gently nudges back and says, well, you know, getting married, having children, that can still be a part of the salvation journey. But the best phrase I found on this was from Huizinga, who wrote that commentary, Wisdom Commentary. She just says, thank God that women's salvation, depending on childbearing, didn't get traction in the first and second centuries. So let's go back and sit with Jesus. Because I hope that's where you want to go this morning. Jesus, whose amazing grace overflows for us. Jesus, who empowers us by his spirit to be a peace, a people of peace, offering dignity to all. Jesus, who makes a way for us in his word, in his scriptures, by his spirit. And invites us to join him in this good work of new creation. This good work where all are welcomed, all are blessed, all are empowered to do the work of the church in the world. So I think now we can say it. Jesus, you are the living word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.